well, I, I don't know. Y'all didn't, y'all didn't get the schedule, apparently, because we weren't supposed to start with intercessory prayer for the nations until 6 o'clock this evening. But y'all just went in early. You went in early. Come on, give the Lord a hand because we're on his time, not our time. So um, that's, that's a little... Uh, you were here in the last service, and now you're over there through me. I turned, and now I'm talking to a plant. Um, Pastor Harrison, I think this is, this is, God gave us a little appetizer. He gave us a little foretaste of what he's going to do. I'm going to go, the question's a little bit out of order here. But so talk to us. Can you talk to us a little bit about tonight and every night this week, uh, beginning at 6 o'clock, what's going to be happening in this auditorium? Yeah, so uh, some of you will remember that every January and every fall around this time, we generally do a stint, maybe it's a week or 10 days of prayer. And usually it's from 6 to 7 a.m. So we are now going to be doing it For these five days, starting tonight through Thursday evening, we're going to be doing it uh, at 6 p.m., from 6 to 7 p.m. And you got, you all, everybody grab your little passport and hold it up real quick. Wave it at me. Yeah. So as you start flipping through that, just flip through the first, like, two or three pages, and you'll start seeing these regions that we're highlighting. We're going to highlight a different region each evening. And as we highlight those regions, we're going to provide even other resources and ways for you to pray, but you can see the statistics there that'll shock you about uh, people knowing Jesus or not knowing Jesus, and then you'll see some specific prayer targets um, that we'll be hitting and walking through together as a corporate body for these five days of prayer, and so um, I just want to encourage you, maybe, maybe you're like, I don't really know, um, I haven't really done prayer before, I, haven't, I don't know about an hour of prayer, that sounds like a really long time, um, but I just, just trust me that God, God will move in ways that, yeah. that you can't imagine when you sit down and say, all right, I'm going to commit this prayer to praying for people who are on a different side of the world that need Jesus. They, they need the power of Jesus in their life. And, and some of these prayer requests are going to give light in your heart to things that you wouldn't have known to pray otherwise. And God is going to use those prayers in a mighty way across the world to see lives changed. You can, like, you can already sense that. I'm, I'm excited. I was not excited at 3 o'clock this morning when my dogs woke me up. And I was thinking, what, who put this schedule together? Why do we have 5 o'clock prayer? I'm just confessing. I was not excited about prayer at 3 o'clock in the morning. I was like, i got to be here every night this week. I was just grumbling to Jesus. That's what I was doing. Y'all never done that, but I was. I was grumbling to Jesus in, in my bed this morning. But... Um, and then, you, and then, Harrison, I started thinking about the images that I saw this week of mothers passing their babies across fences at airports in Afghanistan into soldiers' hands, not knowing if they would be reunited. And I, I was like, come on, Wither, if you can't get off your couch for an hour and come pray for the nations, I started to get a little convicted. And then I started getting in the house of God and being around God's people. I'm like, all right, it's on. Let's go. Let's go. So we're going to, uh, and so they don't have to, virtual missions trip, which we're going to talk about in just a minute, but those are, they're combined, but they're separate. You don't have to sign up for the virtual missions trip to be a part of prayer. Right. So prayer is open to anybody. You don't have to register for anything. Just show up right at six. And we'll start prayer right here in the Widden Auditorium. Um, for those of you who are joining on the virtual mission trip and you're like, well, I want to come to prayer, but then I'll have to go home and then I'll have to set up Zoom and all. We're going to have sites here just outside, just outside in the church building so that you can walk right out of prayer and walk right into the virtual mission trip so that you guys can join us. And also, side note, if you signed up for the virtual mission trip, check your email because I'm getting a lot of questions <laughs> and it's all in your email. So we're here and it's, it's still happening. So. I, had, I used to have a rule called check before you text. 
As a, you know this as a missions trip leader because you already gave them the information, but they didn't look at the information that they gave you, and so they texted you asking for the information like I did to you yesterday, Pastor Kevin, that you'd already sent me all the information about the SEU event at the Whitewater Center, but I was still texting you 10 questions. I was thinking about my own rule, so I'm sorry about that. I'll, I'll obey my, my own rule. So... Um, uh, this and this prayer, this passport. They're going to get stickers for each region, so they, you got to fill your passport. Yep, come all five. You can only get one sticker per night. So all you have to of be the. There, all of you them. just got all the firstborn OCD type one Enneagram people. They have to be here. That's exactly all five why we did because it. you can't have three stickers. <laughs> you got to fill up. You got to fill up your passports. You got to come every, every night. So it's going to be absolutely ma- amazing. So what we're going to do, what I thought we'd do this morning is have, have a conversation about missions. So on this stage, some familiar faces. Let me introduce and reintroduce them to you. So we've got Colin and, and uh, Madison Smith, and they are son and daughter of the house. So Madison was raised at Multiply, and Colin was adopted in, married into the fam. We love when you guys are with us each and every time. So they are missionaries, full-time missionaries to West Africa. Of course, Harrison Ski, our associate pastor over outreach and missions. Jill Freeland is our co-lead pastor of our Wilmington location. Y'all knew we were planting in Wilmington. Don't go getting called to the beach on me now. Don't go getting called to there. But her husband, Dave, is preaching in Kernersville this morning. And they've got four amazing girls. And then Esteban and Danielle Salazar, they are world changers and have been on many missions trips. And you guys just got back from Wilmington. Y'all give them a hand, and they're going to be sharing with us as well. So... Uh, let me start with the, with the Smith. So Harrison, a couple of months ago, showed me a picture and told me a little bit of a story that was absolutely amazing. And he's a pretty good storyteller, but I want to hear this story straight from you guys. Tell me, so this picture is of you and a team, and there's a river, and there's a canoe. Like, what is going on in this picture? Yeah, so these pictures are, I think they're, yeah, they're up. Uh, are pictures of our team in West Africa crossing this river for the very first time. And on the other side of this river, you won't find any churches, you won't find any Christians, or even anybody who's ever heard of the story of Jesus or heard the gospel. And that goes on after that point for hundreds of villages and thousands and thousands of people. Um, The exciting thing about these pictures, though, are that this is the first time they ever met followers of Jesus, which is amazing. And, And even cooler than that, these followers of Jesus these followers of Jesus are coming out of a village called Wara that we're working in now that not that long ago was just like these villages, but now are, have experienced people coming to know Jesus and being baptized and even joining ministry. So That's absolutely amazing. But that's, Madison, that's hard for us Westerners to fathom. Like we all have friends and neighbors and relatives and co-workers that don't have a relationship with Jesus, but you're talking about people on the other side of the river that had no access. These people had never heard the gospel until you guys got in those canoes. And to, to our knowledge, this is the first time they had ever heard the name Jesus. Like what, what was that like landing on that soil on the other side of the river and being able to share that with them? It was incredible. I mean, our village was just the same when we first went there. We asked, how many people in this village are Muslim? And they said, oh, 100%. 
And so that is changing, like Colin said, but then we quickly realized that there were so many villages just like ours. And so to be able to go across, even as the first foreigners, much less Christians, um, it was an incredible experience to get to go. And we actually brought a team from Chi Alpha, our campus ministry we've been a part of, and they really opened the door wide for us. They played with kids. College students are great. So um, we were well-received. We actually, from our side of the village, could hear kids on the other side just waving and screaming, saying, come over here. Um, so they are, they are open. They, they want us there, and the door is wide open for ministry. We just have to go. That's, that's absolutely amazing. I started walking through, and all this information is in your passport, but I started walking through. This is, this is like thousands of times over, right? I mean, you, you alluded to it, but you start going through your passport, and in Asia alone, over 5,000 people groups that have never heard the gospel, not no relationship with Jesus, no access to Jesus. So across our globe right now, there are over 10,000 people groups, 10,000 different tribes that have no access to the gospel. If I was preaching a message, I'm not going to preach a message, but we're just having a conversation. But if I was preaching, I'd title this message, I'd title this message, There's No Bridge. There's No Bridge. Like, and sometimes we don't realize that just across the river, like, there's no, there's no bridge that we, and so we need to build, be in that bridge building business, right? That's what missions is. It's bridge building business. Harrison, you, you already talked about, but one of the first things, uh, ways that we can build those bridges is to pray. It always starts with prayer. And, but it, so it starts with prayer, but it can't stop with prayer. Then we got to take steps of o- obedience. So, Jill, you and I were talking this week, and you were sharing some of the mission trips that you've been on uh, as a teenager. I think you went on three mission trips as a teenager. And then you ended up living in the Middle East for four years. This was a crazy story. Like, how, d- how did that take place? So my dad is in the Navy, or was in the Navy, and um, our hearts were really being stirred towards missions as a family. And... So he asked God, when are my next duty orders come up for the next station, um, can you open up a door to the 1040 window? And when, it, when the time came, um, three options were available. We could go to Hawaii <laughs> or Japan or Bahrain, which is an island right off the coast of Saudi Arabia. And um, so my dad knew. He said, God, that's the one. You opened that door. And so we went to the Middle East. And we actually were sent out by our church. There was an apostolic blessing placed over us. And um, and so we prayed, God, open up strategic opportunities for us. And when he did, we got to meet missionaries there. And one thing that was really amazing was my mom was able to homeschool the missionary kids so that the mothers could begin working and infiltrating and just ministering to the community, building bridges And then another thing that happened was um, my parents led our youth group, and we would build packages of food for the Shiite villages, which were the poorest of the poor in our community. And although we weren't allowed to go and provide them to to that community, the missionaries who had been establishing connection and relationship were able to go in and and do this. And uh, those were strategic things that God did in our family. It was pretty amazing. So just to clarify a couple of things, your dad chose Bahrain over Hawaii. I just wanted to clarify, like not only that, he he prayed for that. You don't get many choices in the military as I understand it, but they gave him a choice and he chose the the 1040 window. And then um, 
And then I just want I just <laughs> wanted to clarify that like your dad was not an ordained minister. Not at all. But he used his job in the marketplace to do missions. Amen. Yep. So you're telling me that I don't have to be a full-time missionary, that I can be like a missionary as a teacher or as a business person or as a student yes. in a high school. You're telling me yes. that I don't need to be a pastor with a microphone. That's what that's yes. what I'm hearing. I, so um, so we we build bridges by by praying. We build build bridges by our obedience. Uh, but it takes some funds to go over there too, right? It takes get it takes giving to to be able to launch our missionaries. So if you if y'all have not met the the Freeland children, they have they have four girls, and they are blonde sunshine, just energy. They are they are the life of the room. Ama- amazing kids. Um, one of them, the youngest, came up. So Ezra came up to me this week, and she she just smiled real big, and she just pointed. She was, lost a tooth. And I said, oh, did the, did the tooth fairy give you a quarter? And, and she did this. She just held up ten fingers. And I'm like, the tooth fairy gave you ten dollars? <laughs> Jill, I started doing math. Like four girls times ten dollars times a lot of teeth. I'm like, the tooth fairy hit the jackpot in the Freeland household. And then I was like, don't tell the wither up kids because they <laughs> did not get anywhere near, near that. But there was a, there was a reason there was a reason she got $10. Tell, tell this story. So Ezra had curled herself up on the couch, and she was writing a note. And I thought she was writing a letter back to a friend because we've been doing that a lot lately. Um, but when the tooth fairy showed up, she left the note out for us to see. And um, in the note, Ezra asked the tooth fairy to give generously to her <laughs> so that she could help her mommy and daddy have an amazing church. And so the tooth fairy gave generously. <laughs> I don't know about the theology of <laughs> missions being supported by the tooth fairy, but we'll take it from whatever, whatever source we can, right? Uh, Colin Madison, what does it mean for you guys just to know when you are boots on the ground, when you're in a canoe with a Chi Alpha team of college students rowing across a river in the middle of Africa to people that have never heard the name of Jesus before? What does that mean to know that you have a home base that is financially supporting you? Yeah, it's incredible. I mean, when God first called me into missions, after I got over the initial shock of, you want me to move where? Um, The next thing was, wow, I've got to raise how much money? Uh, And most people don't know this. We get emails daily saying how much has come in. And for the longest time, my account said zero, zero, zero. So I called my mom. I said, mom, somebody's got to give me some money or I'm going to lose it. So she signed up. And then after that, you guys signed up and you guys became my first, like, high-level anchor support, and it just means the world to know that you believe in me and that you believe in the work that we are called to do because life in in West Africa is hard. Ministry is hard. Just to get and maintain our groceries and electricity is hard. It takes a lot of energy. So to not have to worry about where our money is coming from and to know that we have enough clears our minds and our spirits just to be able to focus on the work at hand and to minister to the people around us. So let me just say again, Multiply Church, thank you for your giving. It matters. It absolutely matters. Harrison, uh, talk a little bit about, how, so how does this work at Multiply? We have a system um, to give to missions. What's that, what's that system look like? Yeah, so uh, I'll start with the missionaries because yeah, yeah. there's, there's kind of two things here. So uh, 
the Smiths and 117 other missionaries, missionary couples, and missionary families all receive monthly support from Multiply Church. And the way that we're able to do that is because when you give your tithes to Multiply, we tithe off of the tithe, and it supports missionaries monthly. And so that's how we're able to support 118 missionaries and missionary families. And you can only imagine how many more people that reaches than just 118 all around the world. And so uh, we have that system set up um, through the tithe. And then uh, we also have the Kingdom Builder system set up. It's called the two-bucket giving. So we have the tithe and things like that. And then we have Kingdom Builders. And what Kingdom Builders does is, Pastor Doug was sharing with me before the first service about how we're getting questions left and right about how can we give to Afghanistan, how can we give to Haiti, how can we give to all of these uh, things that are happening around the globe. And the, the beautiful thing about the Kingdom Builder system is that as you give towards that, we are able to, without taking up a special offering, we're able to go in action just like that and give funds all across the world without even having to ask a second time. Because yeah. we've already got them, because you guys have already been faithful yeah. in your giving. Yeah. And so... Before you could even ask, we were already sending money to missionaries in Afghanistan and surrounding countries to help the refugees. And even other places like Haiti, we were on the ground with Convoy of Hope, um, giving food and providing support to people in Haiti. And so we have that two-bucket giving along with the tithe off of the tithe that helps us uh, give money towards missions. Yeah, absolutely. And I was thinking about this, too, because when then, Jill, when we plant another location— you guys are going to be tithing off of your tithe and giving to Kingdom Builders. So I love, put on your business hat just for a moment, making an investment that yields investment, right? Like how amazing is that? So why are we planting more locations around the U.S.? Number one, because there's people in the U.S. that don't have relationships. So we need to keep planting these locations. But as we plant more, multi, more multiply locations in the U.S., then we will be able to multiply our impact around the world. It's just a really cool system that the, the Lord set up. So we build bridges when we pray. We build bridges when we obey. We build bridges when we, when we give. And, and then we build bridges when we, when we go. So Salazar's, you started out in missions uh, at a young age, and you got a little bit of an interesting story of how that all came to pass. Danielle, talk a little bit about your missions experience. So speaking of God working strategically, uh, when I was a sophomore <laughs> in college, I had some missionary friends who were serving in Costa Rica at the time, and uh, they invited me to spend the summer with them as a summer intern. They were going to be facilitating a lot of short-term mission teams and needed some help. They knew that I was majoring in Spanish. Um, they knew that I had a heart for missions, so they said, why don't you come spend the summer with us, help us facilitate teams and interpret. Uh, we could really use you. So that was an easy yes, uh, especially when I found out the funding was going to be there. Um, um, so I went to Costa Rica, and that's when I met this guy. Uh, he is from Costa Rica, and he was also part of their team helping the missionaries there, uh, facilitating teams and interpreting. And we worked together, you know, day and night, nonstop with the teams, and we found ourselves uh, spending more time together. Uh, even on the days that we had off, we were seeking one another out, and our conversations were getting longer. They were getting deeper. And it's usually at this point in the story when my husband likes to clarify something, so I'm going to let him clarify one, some, one thing really quick. Just to clarify, I was in the mission. He, he 
he was not the mission, uh, <laughs> in case you didn't hear that. Uh, he was not the mission, um, but God saw fit to bring us together. Uh, so the summer was ending, and we had to decide, are we just going to be friends, or do we think God might be up to something? And uh, we decided to go with the latter, and said, if God wants it to work out, it'll work out. Um, so here we are. This year, we celebrate 11 years of marriage. We have two beautiful boys, and we're still leading missions teams together. So missions continue to be a part of your story, going on short-term trips, leading trips. This Wilmington trip came up, and you said yes, even though what they were doing, construction, wasn't necessarily your first skill set. Yes, so he is much more comfortable in the construction area than I am. He was fine with it, Um, but of course, my mind automatically goes to, Lord, I'm going to be a burden when I go on this trip because I don't know anything about construction. I can't even be the tool runner because you tell me to go fetch something, and I'm like Googling, what does that look like? I, I don't even know. So I was like, Lord, are you sure this is the trip you want me to lead? You know, just all the doubts start coming into your mind. Um, and I just felt like God dropped a song in my heart that we used to sing in church, and it just says, if you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. Take my hands, Lord, and my feet. Touch my heart, Lord, speak through me. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. Um, So I just began to sing that over and over again. I felt like God dropped into my spirit. I'm not asking you to be an expert in construction. I'm not asking you to know how to name every tool in the toolbox. I'm just asking you to be willing to go. And I need you to lead this trip, so I want you to do that. So um, when I said yes to that, um, God had a divine appointment for me on this trip. Um, And it was after three and a half days of using my hands and my feet a whole lot uh, and learning a whole lot about construction. Um, On the last day that we were there, the lady whose house we were working in, she has a couple of grandchildren who live with her, and they had been in and out of the house all week. Um, One of them worked third shift, so she had slept a lot through the day. We didn't get to see her much, but that last day, she actually got in an argument with her grandmother while we were there, and it wasn't a knockdown drag out, but you know, it was there. So she stepped outside for a minute to kind of collect herself. She was crying a little bit, And um, I was watching him cut something with some kind of saw. And um, I kind of think God had a fit that I wasn't doing much of anything at that moment because I look up and I see just tears in her eyes. And her eyes met mine. And I just asked her, can I come up and give you a hug? And I know this is COVID times, but I felt like God was leading me to give her a hug. So she said yes. And and I went up. And as I grabbed her, she just broke down. And her tears began to pour. And she began to talk about the struggles that she has in her life. Um, She was raised in church, but she's not exactly serving the Lord as she knows she should. And, And she said, I just believe God has more for me. And I'm just... I'm not there. And and she talked about things that are going on and um, her dreams and desires. And a little bit later, she invited me into her bedroom. And she said, I've I've got this Bible and and I've got this devotional. It's a Jesus Calling devotional. And she said, could we just open it and see what it says today? So I was like, yeah, we can. And uh, so she opened it up and we read it together. And I couldn't believe how appropriate it was for everything she had just shared with me. And at that moment, I was able to tell someone who has overdosed twice just this year alone that God has a purpose for her, that he put breath back into her lungs, not one time, but two times this year because he's not done with her, because he wants to do so much more in her life if she will just surrender it to him. Wow. And it wouldn't have happened if I hadn't said yes to construction. Harrison, you started going on missions at an early age. Talk about your first experience. Yeah, so uh, I actually was attending a youth group at a Mount Pleasant United Methodist Church, and some of you will know that if you're from Cabarrus County. 
um, just recognized the name Mount Pleasant. And so it was just a small youth group, but they decided one summer that they were going to go take a mission trip to Honduras. And they were going to minister, bring some orphans in from an orphanage with a missionary that we partnered with. And we were going to do like a vacation Bible school, like a summer, summer camp for them. We are going to teach them a little bit about the word, play some games with them, and just love on them because um, they don't have family. And so I was like, you know, that sounds great. I always thought doing a mission trip would be really cool. I think I was probably 14 at the time. And so um, I told some family and friends, and they helped me raise the money, and I went. And I don't remember a ton of, like, super intellectual details about the things that God taught me. All I remember is that after loving on the kids and after seeing some of them come to the Lord and after seeing other ones encouraged and being loved as a family, uh, I just knew that there were a lot of things that this seven-day trip that God was using to demand different things from me. Like, if people are living like this in a different country and I have the gospel, then it demands something different in my life. If I have the opportunity to raise funds and go over somewhere to minister to somebody or partner with a missionary in the long-term work that they're doing, then this, is gonna, this has to change something in my heart. And so I left that trip saying, what do I have to do next, God? Like, what is, what is the next step? Because I can't stop here. There's too many people. There's too many people. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that's exactly why at Multiply, one of our goals is that every teenager go on an overseas missions trip before they graduate high school. Because missions changes people we minister to, but missions changes us. I'm telling you, it is parents and grandparents, and it's one of the best things that you can do. And again, that's part of what your Kingdom Builders dollars go towards is scholarships for students to go on these trips. Now, we make them all have some investment because it's important that they learn that they got to have skin in the game, but we'll come alongside of them uh, because, because that's so important. And then you went on a second missions trip. Yes. And this is, this is what I was talking about. You know, the uh, pastor talking about speaking in tongues, foreign language. What is, go- what is going on? You had, a, you had a really interesting story because you didn't grow up knowing anything about that. And then on the mission field, this happens. Yeah. So I went to Honduras one year. The next year I went to Honduras again. Came home for a few days and then went to Nicaragua with, at the time, 365. Now it's Multiply Youth. And Pastor John and Justin were over there at that time. And again, I was raised Baptist and Methodist. And so I knew of the Holy Spirit. And I didn't. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Just for clarification here. I love our brothers and sisters. No problems at all. Um, But that's, that's how I was raised. And so I had never even heard. I had never even heard of a phrase speaking in tongues. Never. I hadn't even read it in the Bible. Um, I just. I just didn't know anything about it. And so I went on this mission trip to Nicaragua, and we were ministering one evening um, in a house to a family of a a possessed and disabled um, lady. And uh, we were just praying probably, if I had to guess, probably for like an hour, an hour and a half over this single family and, and, and household. And we got back in the bus afterwards, and we were all exhausted and all this other stuff. And uh, one of the nationals came up to me, and I spoke a little bit of Spanish. Um, I, I pick up language fairly, so I spoke a little bit of Spanish. And he came up to me, and he was like, hey, I didn't know you spoke Spanish, like, fluently. And I was like, I didn't either. Like, <laughs> what are you talking about? And he said, well, when we were praying in the house, there was a time where you just started praying completely in Spanish. And it was unbroken. It was, it was, it was perfect Spanish. And I was like, well, that's pretty weird. And someone, <laughs> and someone came up to me and explained to me that this is the baptism of the Holy Spirit um, that moves in a lot of people's lives. And, and I was like, 
well, that's pretty confusing, but it seemed like it was, it was, it was of God. And so, I, again, I had never heard anything of it, but God did use it. And I can't imagine that maybe someone in that house who did speak Spanish uh, needed to hear something that only the Spirit knew. And I couldn't conjure up in my own mind. And God used me, uh, did not speak fluent Spanish, in that moment to pray for something that maybe wouldn't have been prayed for otherwise. And so I've, and I've heard those stories of this happening to, to missionaries and people when they go overseas and like sometimes our tongues language is a heavenly language, but I've heard these stories of sometimes it's a known, known language, but to hear that actually happening is, is just so, so cool. And I think maybe one of the things that comes to my mind, like through all of these stories is whether it's a divine appointment or a family sacrificing, it's like God always supplies what we need on the other side, no matter what that is. But it's this step of faith first, and then the provision is usually on the other, on the other side of that. Um, so the name, of, the name of this village that you guys are in, and it's kind of your base before you went across mm-hmm. the river. So right now we are in one village, and we hope to go across as we grow, as we raise up national, local believers to multiply into other villages and plant more churches. But our home base is called Wara. It actually has a longer name that nobody will remember, but it means the lion is not far. Isn't that cool? I love that. I love that. And as the, as the worship team comes, um, this is how I want to close today. The lion, the lion is not far. The lion is not far. So, uh, so maybe, I, maybe I mistitled this sermon. So if I, and it wasn't a sermon. It was just talking. But if I was preaching it, I was going to talk about there's no bridge. But maybe, maybe I should have titled this thing, there, there Already Is a Bridge. There Already Is a Bridge. That the river of our sin, the chasm of our sin, was far too wide, was far too deep. Was, no canoe could go across it. And so that's why God had to send Jesus. God had to send Jesus because he was the only one that could build that bridge from my sin into and to him and so that bridge has already been built and that's what missions is is that we're just now joining in the bridge building process with the king of kings and the lord of lords and so this is i i just want to speak this into somebody today as we pray as we get ready to launch our week of missions as we get ready to go on a, a virtual missions trip um harrison they can get where can they get the buckets yep so there's two tables out in the lobby you probably saw them as you came in you guys can still sign up for the virtual trip it starts tonight right after prayer so this is like the last time for anyone to sign up so you can pass by those booths on the way out and uh, we'll get you all set and you can do this as a, a single adult you can do this as a married couple i think it's a great opportunity for families to do together maybe for grandparents to grab their grandkids and what a great discipleship opportunity who knows what's on the other side for them but this is what I want to this is what I just want to kind of impart into your spirit because we're talking about missions and we're talking about people that don't have access to the gospel but there's some here today that you just you need to know you need to know that the lion is not far the line isn't far. I don't know what you're walking through. I don't know what your challenge is. I don't know what your health situation is, your family situation is. I don't know what's breaking your heart today, but I want you to know that that same Jesus that came to earth 
that cares about the people of West Africa, that cares about the people of Afghanistan, that cares about the people of Haiti, that cares about the people of the Dominican Republic. That same Jesus cares about you. The lion isn't far. He's not far from your physical ailment. He's not far from your broken heart. He's not far from your loss. The lion is not far. And so with heads bowed and eyes closed this morning, you maybe would say something like this, Pastor, I'm away from Jesus. I've never surrendered to Jesus. And I need that bridge. I need Jesus to build that bridge into my life and into my heart. And if that's you, it's not your works, it's not your church attendance, it's nothing else except praying a prayer like this. And if that's you this morning, if you're away from Jesus, I just want to encourage you to pray a prayer in your heart, something like this. Dear Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I confess it to you. I receive the cross. I receive that bridge. Help me to live wide awake to the love of God and fully alive to my purpose. And then if you just need the lion to be close to you, if you've got a challenge, if you've got something that you're walking through right here, right now, would you just slip up a hand and allow me to pray? God, I pray that the lion of the tribe of Judah, the one who is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the one who is over nations, the one who breaks the rods of the rulers of the, of the nations, the one who is in charge of the universe, the lion of the tribe of Judah, he is not far. And I pray that that roar of the lion would be made manifest in families right now. I pray the lion of the tribe of Judah would be made manifest in situations, in hearts, in lives, in physical bodies, in ailments. God, let the lion roar. Let the lion roar over schools today. Let the lion roar over communities. Let the lion roar over illnesses. Let the lion roar over hospitals. Let the lion roar over nations as we gather tonight and do battle. Let the lion roar. The lion is not far. Come on, lion of the tribe of Judah. Somebody lift up a shout of praise in the house. The lion is not far. The lion is not far. He is near to you. He's near to your broken heart in the name of Jesus. He's near to your pain. He's near to your sorrow. And we receive it in the name of Jesus.